Okay, here's a question. If your parents were professional musicians, would that encourage you to be a professional musician? Or would it actually discourage you from pursuing a music career? We're going to get into that question and a whole lot more on today's music therapy. everybody. Welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I am also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Music Therapy is a mental health podcast for musicians and music fans. We talk about music, the creative process, mental health, and pursuing creative careers. Visit musictherapypodcast.com for previous episodes and upcoming events. And please subscribe and leave us a review. That helps us out a ton. Today, I'm talking with Chicago artist Devin Schaefer. But before I get into that, I want to share an event that's coming up this Wednesday, tomorrow night at Cafe Mustache. It is our April group session. Group session is when I talk to a full band for a live taping of the Music Therapy Podcast. And this month, we are featuring Frico, which is an indie pop three-piece from Chicago. I'm really excited to talk to them. They have a lot of energy. They all live together. That's going to be interesting. They're going to give a live performance. All of that is tomorrow night, Wednesday, April 6th at Cafe Mustache, 8 p.m. There's a $10 suggested donation at the door, and all of that goes to the bands and supporting the show. All right, let's turn to Devin Schaefer. So today I'm talking with Chicago musician Devin Schaefer. She released an album last June on American Dreams Records, and I'm going to give you her bio. Devin Schaefer is a musician and multidisciplinary artist based in Chicago. Interlacing otherworldly folk with ambient drone, field recording, and found and archival audio, Devin's sound is best described as auditory collage. On her debut LP, In My Dreams I'm There, which was released in June of 2021, Schaefer brings listeners on a traversal through different sonic environments with poppier moments emerging from seas of ambient drift. We're going to get into how Devin creates her music. We talk about social media. We discuss stage fright and making money off music. Devin actually had a breakdown after releasing her album last year, and she gets into that too. We also hear some of her original music. Before we turn to my conversation with Devin, I'm going to share a song. Somebody brought this song up to me uh, over the weekend, and I was thinking about it, so I thought I'd share it. This is an old song uh, called Moon. Space trip to the moon. Leave me 
Okay, that was my song, Moon. You can find that on uh, One Foot... No, you can find that on the Basement Tracks, free, which is on Spotify and Bandcamp and everywhere that you listen to music. So now, let us turn to my conversation with Devin Schaefer. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, my downstairs neighbors are having a party, so let me know if it's too loud. <laughs> Does it sound like a fun party? Yeah, it sounds fun. There's a lot of laughter, which I like to hear. <laughs> I can't hear it at all. Okay, cool. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I've never done an Instagram live, so this is my first time. I'm going to try not to get distracted by like all of the names popping up. <laughs> yeah, that's cool though. If, if you do, guys, feel free to ask questions and make comments and stuff. That makes it more fun. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I, I start every, so this is for anyone who just joined. This is the Music Therapy Podcast. We do it live and then I release them, musictherapypodcast.com. And today we're talking with Devin Schaefer. And so the first question that I always ask uh, any guest is, um, can you give us a picture of what a typical week in your life looks like these days? Um, yeah, a typical week in my life these days um, involves a lot of staring at a computer, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, so I work as um, art director for the record label American Dreams. So I'm doing a lot of like um, graphic design and emailing and um, computer things for my job. And then I'm also a student at um, Harold Washington College. So I'm going back to school and that's a lot of computer as well. Uh-huh. Um, and then my weeks kind of vary depending on if I have like a show coming up because I honestly, I don't know. I haven't been really like recording new music, mm -hmm. but if I have a show, then I'll like be like scrambling to get ready <laughs> for my show. So um yeah, basically a lot of like working on school, working on my job, music if I have something to prepare for. Um, I read at night when I just can't see the screen anymore and I, I take a lot of long walks. Um, um, how often do you play out these days? Like how often do you have shows? Honestly, not that often. Um, Pre-COVID, I was playing a lot. I would, I, would say no, I would say yes to like almost any show that was offered to me. I was like, couldn't get enough. Um, and then I don't know, something kind of shifted for me during the pandemic. Um, and I just haven't really been wanting to play as much. So I've been a little more, uh, or a lot more selective about what I'm, what I'm taking on. And I don't know, it started to, um, take a lot of energy out of me. I kind of developed some stage fright, so <laughs> I haven't been playing as much. Um, I just went to South by Southwest, which was kind of a restorative experience actually. So mm -hmm. Maybe uh, maybe playing will feel a little different in the future, but. Did you perform at South by Southwest? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that go? Um, it went well. I, I was honestly so nervous. And um, yeah, I was so nervous almost to the point where I couldn't tell if I was like dreading going, uh -huh. um, which sounds ridiculous because it's an amazing opportunity. Um, but just that like fear and anxiety of performing. I need to listen to your last episode about 
performance anxiety, probably. <laughs> yeah, I was told, of course, I was going to bring that up. We just released one on Tuesday on performance anxiety, and it's really good. Another therapist um, goes through, and it's funny because we actually talk about that. I was saying that I don't get as nervous when I play a show anymore, but when I do these group sessions for music therapy, I feel that dread kind of like, oh, I just kind of want to get this over with. And, and she was talking to me about it and she, you know, feels that that is a manifestation of anxiety that sometimes that's just the way it looks for people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I used to like feel this totally out of body experience when I performed, like I would just like black out almost and uh -huh. performance would happen. And then I would come to and be like, Whoa, that was cool. You know? And that just hasn't happened for me in a really long time. I'm super cognitive every time I play. Um, so kind of, uh, it sounded like you were dissociating previously, but that sounds like it was kind of a positive experience. Yeah, it was like I would just go into this zone and feel so in touch with like my own music, with the audience. I mean, not every time, but I expected that um, for, a, for a long time. And... I don't know, you know, a lot of times now when I perform lately, I, I'm thinking about everything I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to find new ways to combat that because I Do want performing to be special, you know. Yeah. Do you have any ideas on, you said that changed, you know, after coming sort of out of the pandemic restrictions. Do you have any idea what might have contributed exactly to that feeling different for you now? You know, I've thought about it a lot. I don't know. I think probably a culmination of things. Um, one is drinking really doesn't like bode well for my body chemistry. And I, I used to, you know, drink a little bit before shows and now like not so much. And mm -hmm. maybe that's part of it. But I don't know. I also just think during COVID lockdown specifically, I think a lot of things that were just totally commonplace in my life, I suddenly started to view them as more than just like this autopilot part of my life that I never really think about. Like things like, you know, the work day or performing or socializing or how I spend money. Like that's probably a common experience, but a lot of those things, all of a sudden I started to sort of reevaluate or, or realize exactly what they were rather than kind of just like moving from thing to thing in this very fluid, almost autopilot sort of way. How uh, do you think differently about them? Hmm. Maybe, uh, let's, maybe let's pick one. Well, I think with performing, you know, I, I, I've been like a lifelong performer. I grew up in orchestras playing violin. My parents are both professional musicians and performers. Um, and performing was just always like, it wasn't even something I ever really thought about what it was. Uh -huh. um, and then all of a sudden when I took this like year long break from doing it, I think it just made me realize like, oh, this is like going in front of people, m met strangers, friends, acquaintances, uh -huh. And playing from memory things that I wrote, like, alone in my bedroom, <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden, it just yeah. started to be like, well, that's really vulnerable. Like, that's what, what if I mess up, you know? Like, um, yeah. and, I, yeah, I think it just kind of hit me of, like, what it was. Whereas before, I think it was just like, oh, yeah, performing. Like, that's what you do. Like, that's, you know? 
Yeah, it sounds like you got in your head a little bit. Yeah, I think I got in my head. <laughs> Two years alone, uh, isolated, or a year, a year and a half, whatever it was. Do you? Yeah, I think. Did it feel really isolating? Do you live with anybody? Um, during most of like the actual lockdown of COVID, I had a roommate, um, Haley Grimes. Shout out to Haley. Um, we had fun, and you know, I had like my partner, and I had Haley, but. I was working from home or unemployed for a lot of that period. So it was sort of a thing, but um, I actually like, I really love to be alone. I think in a lot of ways I, I did really well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a very long time to get to a point where I like missed going out or missed doing things. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people feel like they sort of prefer life to be like that. Um, or maybe not all the time, but don't mind a lot of home time. Yeah, I think a lot of home time kind of drives me nuts, but a lot of alone time I'm okay with. Okay. Yeah. Um, How did your, what was your relationship like with creativity? How has that been both now and over the past year or so? Um, Creativity. Well, I put out my first album um, last June. And Mm -hmm. like the recording, I had written most of the songs already, but... um, the like recording process, the mixing process, um, and everything else that goes with putting out an album, you know, like the, the styling and music videos and like the graphic design and like all of those decisions. Um, it was such a new experience and there were highs and lows for sure. Um, I think at times I was like so, so proud and excited and other times my body totally rejected it. Um, and yeah, after that, it was kind of a while for me before I really wanted to like touch an instrument or work on music again. I think I just mm-hmm. needed like a cool down period. Um, but yeah, you know, as will happen, the songs just kind of started flowing again a few months ago. So I've been working on some new, some new music. And then also I did my first um, art installation, like sound installation um, recently that's up at Chicago Artists Coalition right now. Um, that's, awesome. that's, awesome. that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. You, I, I wanted to go back to, you know, your, your last album, the release, because you had mentioned that to me beforehand that if you, are you okay with me kind of revealing what you had? Yeah. That's yeah. That, uh, that you, you said that you had sort of a breakdown. Um, I was wondering if you're comfortable sharing what that was like or what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to put myself back into the place that I was. Um, I, I think that most of my experience with music over my life existed very much off of the internet. This is kind of like what I've pieced together since going through this experience, because at the time I was like, what is going on with me? Um, and then releasing an album during lockdown was so much on the internet. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't play like, I played a release show a month later, um, mm-hmm. but that first month and throughout like releasing all of the singles and everything, it was just like putting music out into the internet and then just yeah. checking Instagram or checking different publications and seeing who wrote about it. And it was this totally new experience where I wasn't visceral at all. It wasn't about community. I mean, it, it turned out to be later, but in, in this time, it just felt very much like just this screen sort of mirroring back to me what I had like worked so hard and put out into the world. Yeah. 
And it just felt really like wrong to me. Um, I also think that I'm just a person who like, I really don't like to feel misunderstood. Um, and I felt like, like there was no way that I could really communicate what this music was about mm -hmm. in a way where when I saw it written out or like read back to me or in a write-up or in somebody talking about it, that it didn't feel like, Oh no, that that's wrong. That's not what it's about. Or that's not what it, what I meant. And it just felt like this very, like there was a block in between me and the music after it was released. And I think it just felt so like, I don't know, sort of disarming. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, I really did have sort of a breakdown. Like I just felt like, am I even a musician? Like, do I even like this? <laughs> Is this fun? Like, and then at the same time, there's so much guilt because, you know, people are supporting you. They're writing about your music, buying your music, um, you know, paying for it to get put out, label support, all this yeah. stuff. And so there's a lot of guilt if that doesn't just feel amazing all the time, you know? It's funny. I was, I was kind of scrolling because I was looking. Um, the way that you were talking really reminded me of how Sam Cantor was talking for Minor Moon because he also put his album out, um, you know, amidst all all the uh i'll have to find it later but purely an internet release and some of the things you were saying like there was there wasn't the release show there wasn't the talking to people in person and kind of getting that feedback and um what aspects of you know those things being gone what would you really have liked to have the opportunity to do like you said you did get to play a release show eventually mm-hmm I don't, I don't really know because even in a, you know, pre or post COVID world, mm -hmm. whatever that is, um, there's still always social media as like a mediator between artists and, you know, people listening to the music. So, um, yeah, I think sometimes I really do crave those times before I used social media or before I had really released music when it was just about like going to DIY shows, um, putting up flyers on like polls or like, you know, up on bulletin boards or whatever. And um, it's possible that I'm romanticizing it now because I'm sure at the time I would have been like, wow, so many people came to my show. It's amazing. And, you know, I would want to be like how, you know, where I'm at yeah. now, but um, I really do have a hard time with, um, self-promotion on the internet and with mm -hmm. seeing my internet self mirrored back to me um it just never feels totally genuine or right and unfortunately that's just like part of part of being a musician or an artist now you know um, yeah you need to communicate somehow so I don't really know what what like my ideal version of being a musician now would look like I think it's there's always going to be like some sacrifices because it sounds like you're saying it wasn't even, it happened during COVID, but it wasn't even about that. It was just kind of the world we live in now. So yeah, that's very possible. I think, you know, when I do go to shows and play shows, like that helps me so much because there, you know, when I went a long, long time without going to any live music, I was like lost. Um, and then once I started going to shows again, I really did feel more of a sense of like, oh yeah, this is like, of course we do this. This is magical. Like, yeah. so it does help. 
You said you were having thoughts like, well, is this even fun? You know, why am I even doing this? Did you reconnect with that? Like, why am I even doing this? Did you kind of get yeah. started on that? I mean, I probably different reasons all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, everyone probably has a different reason. Like, why do I release music? I'm not sure. Like, I, I have to write music. Like, that's not a choice. It will just come out. Um, and then I think there's just some like inner impulse to share, um, what I'm feeling. And during those moments when you're performing and there is connection, um, I mean, that's like otherworldly. That's, that's why I think most musicians do this, like to connect with other people is like the goal of my life. So I think that's at the end of the day, why I continue, even if there are, you know, aspects of the, the industry that make me uncomfortable so you have been working on at first you said that um you know right now you're not necessarily creating new music but you do have some new or I'm just trying to you have some new material that you're working on currently but what's what's what are you working on right now um really just songs like singing and playing acoustic guitar um Uh I haven't been recording anything yet um I haven't really been working on like production stuff, just like straight songwriting, mm-hmm. which feels really good to me right now. I feel like I've gotten better at songwriting over my life. And I also feel like I'm letting myself write more sort of straightforward songs um, these days. Whereas in the past, I always wanted to try to figure out a way to like obstruct um, like songwriting or obscure songwriting in some way Uh now I'm just like purely like enjoying writing songs which feels Uh really really good when you were kind of what you just said trying to obstruct songwriting was there like a philosophy behind that oh I don't know I think I just you know I came of age going to like punk and experimental like you know going to like really freaky shows and Uh in DIY circles where I think I never wanted to like see myself as being a singer songwriter, you know, when I was a teenager, like in my early twenties. Um, and I think that I just kind of, it was just my norm of like, I've got to make everything really like weird in some way. Uh Um, and I think maybe as I get older, I just don't feel like I need to do anything for, for anybody artistically. Like I should just do what, what comes naturally and what feels good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, one topic you mentioned, speaking of getting older, was um, going back to school as an adult. What are you going back to school for? Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going back to school for art history. Uh-huh. But right now I'm taking classes at Chicago City Colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't something that I've talked about, I think, like, at all on my social media. Um, but yeah, I've been a student since August. Um, I went to college for one year out of high school and for many reasons, it just wasn't, I wasn't able to do it at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for most of my twenties, I just thought like, well, you know, I didn't do it then. So let's just move on with life and try to <laughs> figure out a, a way to not have a college degree or whatever. I just mm-hmm. kind of put that out of like my realm of possibilities 
Um, but I, I've always loved learning. I've always wanted to go back to school. And over the past few years, I just, I mean, I think I came about it in sort of like a roundabout way of thinking like, well, maybe I could figure out a way to go back to school and study music. And through the process of looking into it, I just realized like, you know, I think if I could do anything, I don't think I would go back for music. Like I've always wanted to work as an archivist, um, or work like in preservation in some way, mm-hmm. um, study history and art history. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I've always wanted to do this. Like, why not? What is it about studying music that doesn't sound appealing to you? Um, I think I would love to work with music within the context of doing archiving or studying history Mm -hmm. um, or doing some of that preservation work. But I, I don't want my creative output to be my livelihood or like, I don't want my ability to support myself financially to depend on my ability to be creative or my ability to stay on trends or, you know, brand myself. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't have, I don't know. It just, I don't think that I could live a fulfilled life constantly having to create and constantly having to look at my projection in the mirror. Like we were talking about earlier. Uh Yeah. So I would love to study music, but I don't know that I necessarily want to be creating as my form of, you know, paying the bills. So many musicians, that is their dream. You know, they, they would love to get paid for playing shows and going on tour and selling records. I'm curious, you, you gave a little bit of an explanation of why, but um, when you said you wouldn't want to kind of be relying on having to create as your source of, as your livelihood is that would that be because of the pressure that you might feel or you mentioned something about trends about not wanting to follow feeling like that might be sort of requisite even if just a, to kind mm-hmm. of make it um, what are the reasons you think for yourself well I mean to be clear I I do want to be paid for, (laughs) for my music and artistic work, but I don't want to depend on that to support myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's probably for, I mean, I was raised by professional musicians Mm -hmm. um, and it was not an easy life, you know, like my parents are hustlers and Mm -hmm. still to this day, you know, like um, I don't have any, I don't know, maybe I I don't want to think I'm jaded, but, you know, I know how hard, how hard it is. And for, you know, most people, it, it never gets easier. And that I don't think that's just not what I want for myself. Yeah. Um, and I also just find creating music when it's organically just happening. Mm -hmm. So healing and, really is like a transcendental experience, you know, like that feeling of like when I'm writing songs in my room and I'm just like something just like gushing out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to leave space for that to happen when it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be like feeling like I need to try and force something because if I don't, then how am I going to pay rent or how am I going to, 
you know, this or that. Um, But I like absolutely commend those that that do. What kind of musicians are your parents? Um, My dad is a guitarist. My mom is a singer. Um, But they've done like all kinds of other things. You know, my dad um, does a lot of like audio engineering. Uh I'm in a wedding band most of my childhood um, and has taught like preschool music classes. So they, they make it work. Does your mom, does she get paid for, for also singing in various ways? So there's the wedding band. Is she, she doesn't that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, my husband uh, is a professional musician and he definitely hustles. Oh, wow. Um, and it does seem like a, it, it does seem like a hard life. Um, I feel you on, on some of those things you're talking about there. Um, do you, do you ever struggle with writing music or do you ever get in your head about what you're writing or have a critic that you battle? Um, honestly, not really. Um, the times that I have struggled with writing music was usually times when I was trying to force it. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, maybe it is a privilege to be able to work this way, but I kind of just stopped forcing it. Like when something is ready to come out, it comes out. Um, I do change my lyrics a few times over, usually before a song is done. And I'll always look back at my past music and wish that I had changed my lyrics more. Like I'm constantly like, I'll write a song that is like maybe too honest for my comfort level and then like begin to like sort of scale it back or add some fog. Um, but I often look back at past music and I'm like, oh, I should have changed that line. Like, why did I leave that line? And, you know, so I think that's probably normal. It's like hearing your own voice, but. Because it was too vulnerable or because you wish you had been more vulnerable? Ooh, you let it go. I really wish I had been more vulnerable. You really, you really wish it, yeah. Um, usually it's either that or I just think like I could, I could have done a better rhyme or like a better line could have come, something more creative could have come to me, but um, that's just sort of like, oh God, what is that quote? It's like a, a poem is never done. It's abandoned. Uh-huh. I don't remember who said that, but, um, that's sort of how I feel about songs too. You know, like eventually you, if you want to put it out, it has to be done, but. So it sounds like you struggle more with, with the words and the lyrics and less with the music itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, once I write a song, it usually just ends up really stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul McCartney said that that's how you know that a song is really good mm-hmm. in your head. So, um, not you know, some of them aren't. But yeah, the the lyric or the lyrics are harder for me. The melodies I think just come more naturally. I was wondering if you can um, kind of give an introduction to one of the songs you shared. Um, in my dreams, I'm here. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that song? Yeah. So. Um, I'm sort of giving away a secret right now. Oh, it's not a secret, but maybe people haven't caught it. But um, In My Dreams I'm Here is the last song on my um, album that I put out in June called In My Dreams I'm There. Mm -hmm. Um, And the piece is, it's probably like around three minutes long. Uh Uh, And the first minute and a half is just very minimal, nature sounds I think the field recording I used was one that I had taken when I was on a hike in I want to say either Portland or Kentucky but I was hiking and there was just like 
a really rhythmic bird chirping and I just took this like moment of silence um, field recording mm-hmm. and about halfway through the song there's like 30 seconds of melody that's sort of embedded into this long field uh-huh. And this song was sort of my, it was almost like a prank, I think, um, on listeners. Like, um, I just had this idea of like, most people would probably just hear field recordings for like 30 seconds and be like, oh, the album's done and turn it off. Mm -hmm. But for those that, you know, with patience, or maybe the types that stay in the movie theater throughout all the credits and don't get the lights come on, um, would get like a special little bonus track. So um, I wanted to include that song because I don't know, I just think it's fun. And I like, I like, um, I don't know, I think patience is important. Patience is a big part of my music and um, something that I struggle with sometimes. Um, but that sort of was the, one of the themes of that song was like waiting, being truly present, like in my dreams, I'm here, meaning like, I'm surrounded by the moment that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, you said patience is something that you really value, but also something that you struggle with. What types of things do you feel impatient about? I think sometimes I just really want more input, which maybe people can relate to. Like there are times when I, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts or with, with silence. You know, those days when like I'll wake up and immediately listen to the news and then mm-hmm. I will like, listen to some music and then I'll have a conversation and then I'll call a friend and then I'll go to class. And it's like, I don't really know if that's impatience, but it feels like it to me. It feels like just wanting to like keep getting to the next thing. Yeah. Um, as opposed to doing that in my dreams, I'm here thing of like just sitting in my present moment 
letting my thoughts move through me. Um, I'm not impatient necessarily, like, I want to get to the end of this line. Um, but I think more impatient, like, for the next piece of information or the next, you know, piece of, like, stimuli, stimulus. I struggle with that. Do you read Eckhart Tolle? I have a little bit, or, like, I've listened to him speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we're also going to talk about is um, your relationship with, with field recordings and archiving and collecting sounds. Can you speak mm -hmm. to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, I do it pretty compulsively. I... I record a lot of just like when I'm traversing either like through the city or if I'm on a hike or a lot when I'm traveling, like I like to just record different places that I go. Uh -huh. um, but I also, I don't know, sometimes I'll record rituals. Like I've been trying to record um, my porch in the morning, like go out there with a coffee and just um, take like a two minute field recording of what my porch uh -huh. looks like. Um, but I've always really liked using my own field recordings, as well as like found audio in my music. I just think mm -hmm. it gives it like a, like I can paint a picture more clearly if there's a setting that's sort of inherent mm -hmm. the song. That's interesting. Um, kind of creating the bed for the music or the setting. Is it, do you try to keep it cohesive like across a, a batch of songs or does it change? In the releases that I've done in the past, I like to sort of like have the field recordings going as like soundscapes that kind of like blend and bleed into one another and out of another sort of almost like each song is happening in a different like sonic environment and the soundscapes or the field recordings kind of aid the listener in being brought into that new room where like mm -hmm. a new song is being played. Um, and that is sort of how I see my music too, visually, um, sort of like each song has a different like location. Uh -huh. I like using field recordings to kind of like give a listener an idea of what that location might be. Okay. Do you think that you'll use any of that on these new songs where you're really focusing on stripping down songwriting? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm trying to always sort of change and evolve the way that I use field recordings because I think that with In My Dreams I'm There, that was sort of the culmination of how I had always used field recordings throughout all of my time making music. Like, um, And I don't know that I would want to do that exact same thing in a future release, but um, I do use field recordings and... Um, I use a lot of like vintage vinyl, um, like nature sound records uh -huh. and things like that when I'm performing live. Uh -huh. So that is part of my live repertoire, sort of using field recordings and different audio to like transport us all <laughs> into like a different place. What do you use to capture your field recordings? Um, I mostly use my iPhone. Uh huh. Um, which I, there's probably like some audio people in the comments being like, don't do that. But, um, it really works for me. I always have it on me. Right. And mostly I just need to edit out like wind sounds if the wind is really bad, but it's mm -hmm. pretty good. The iPhone, um, voice memos mm -hmm. app really, it's great. Um, the next song that I 
I want to share. Can you tell us a little bit about your song, Kissing in the Park? Yeah. Um, so Kissing in the Park, I guess, is an, one of my songs where I did do more sort of traditional songwriting mm -hmm. um, and then weaving in um, um, of my own field recordings, weaving in some like archival audio that I found. Um, but Kissing in the Park is really, I don't know, it's sort of a song about, I, to I told people that I wasn't going to describe my music anymore because I always feel like I listen back later and I'm like, why did I describe it? I should let people just um, come up with their own ideas. But yeah. maybe I will just do that. Maybe I won't say what it's about and I'll just okay, let that's fine. it out.
I will say that I think it's one of those songs where I feel like it has all of the aspects of songwriting. I don't know, those little details, like those little field recordings and things that I really like. So it's sort of like a perfect example of my music for somebody that has never listened to it. How has your, you know, this, this is a mental health podcast. How has your mental health been recently? Well, I sort of touched on this earlier, but I, going to South by Southwest kind of totally changed up my mental health game. Mm -hmm. I was really in a, I don't want to say I was in a super dark place because I don't think that that's accurate, but I was in a rut before um, Mm -hmm. the past few months. Um, You know, being on the computer all day is like just not my, not my nature at all. Um, And I was just feeling super out of touch with, you know, the natural world and community and, you know, things that are important to me because I'm just like working and going to school and being a musician. So I'm too busy. Um, But I don't know, I think just a couple of days of like being in the sun and um, I stayed in a house with a pool. So that was mostly what I did. I really, I I only went to the show that I played and one other show that my label was putting on. Mm -hmm. Um, And besides that, I was just like swimming in this pool and reading in the sun. So I think just being around other musicians and being able to swim, which is like my number one favorite thing on earth. um, Uh It just sort of like reset me. So since coming back, I felt a lot better and I feel a little more in touch with I think myself as a musician and a human. This past winter was hard. Mm-hmm. What do you have coming up? Performances or anything that we can look out for? Yeah, I have a performance on this Friday. What is Friday? Or no, sorry, this Saturday. Saturday this the Saturday. 26th. 26th? Yes. Um, at Chicago Artists Coalition. Uh-huh. Um, so this is the same space where I have a sound installation right now. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm going to be doing a collaborative performance with Courtney McAdens and Zachary Nichol. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited about that because I haven't done a collaborative performance in so long. I'm always alone on stage. And uh-huh. I think a lot of my stage fright issues um, just stem from me really wanting to be able to like recreate my songs exactly as they sounded on the record and feeling so nervous that I'm not going to be able to, um, make it work. So the idea of just doing something improvisational and collaborative, I'm like, I feel so excited about it. So that's Saturday at, um, 5 PM. And then, um, I have another show coming up at the empty bottle on, um, April 13th my half birthday. So that one will be a little more like songs from my album and some new music as well. They'll be performing. Do you feel nervous about that one? Or is it too far away? Yeah, I feel nervous about it. I mean, I feel a little bit better after South by Southwest. I, so before my performance in Austin, I, I was talking to everybody that would listen and I was being like, I feel like I'm going to um, forget the lyrics to my songs. I'm going to forget how to play guitar. My fingers are just going to stop moving. And I'm just going to be standing there with my fingers not moving. And I won't know my lyrics. I'm standing there. Uh-huh. I kept saying this over and over and over again, which is like not the thing you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. Um, and during my set, I did mess up once. Uh-huh. 
And it was just one of those moments where I just hit a wrong chord real quick. And then in my head, I was like, this is everything that I've been afraid of is happening. Yeah. Um, But I just started playing again and it was all fine. And it didn't end the world. You know, the show went on. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like after that happening, like my worst fear, like being realized and then yes. just like it was still a great show and people had fun and I came home and he- I'm alive. Um, it's making me a little less nervous, but I still do. I mean, I don't know if anyone has tips for stage fright, please hit me up. Um, but I do. Yeah, I do still have some like just nervous energy about standing in front of people and and doing, doing the whole thing and being present because I really want to be present. I really do. I mean, and I, I feel uh, totally fine thoroughly endorsing the episode we put out yesterday because I'm not doing most of the talking. It's a, this other therapist who specializes, she's actually a sports psychologist, um, but she, but it's, it's essentially, you know, all the same experience is getting up and how are you going to be perceived by other people? And, um, it's really, really good. It's really informative on what performance anxiety is and um, just several different techniques you can, you can use for it. But I also, you know, to your point about hitting kind of the wrong chord, I mean, I also feel like, and this is just my own personal experience, half the time I think people probably don't even know. They might just think it's part of the song unless it's really egregious or you make like this shocked face or something like that. I don't um, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, but I gave myself it. But I also feel like, you know, there have been times where I've seen shows and maybe the band was great and they gave a nearly flawless performance, but if somebody messes something up and then they acknowledge it or make a joke about it, everybody loves those moments. They usually like burst out in applause and it just That's really humanizes. Yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted you. That's no, what everybody was saying to me afterwards was like, oh, the mess up, it was so cute. Or like, right. oh, really, it really added something. And I don't know if that's just people, you know, saying that to be nice. But, oh, I see someone in the comments that was there. That's not the, the show was so, so wonderful. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I do. Um, I do think that it's, if I was seeing a musician that I really liked and they messed up, I think it would make me feel connected to them. And, you know, like, oh, that's sweet. They messed up. But when it's me, I don't want to mess up, you know? Yeah. It sounds um, like there's some perfectionistic <laughs> tendencies there. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's just back to what we were talking about in the beginning that I just really would love to be able to get back into a place performing where I lose myself. Yeah. And the minute you mess up, you're like, zoom, like back in your body, yeah. back right. in the space. Um and that's like what I'm trying to avoid, I guess. So yeah, that makes sense. It pull, it really pulls you out of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, um, I'm really excited to hear. You know, once you've worked them out, and I know it might be a bit of a process, but some of the new music you're working on, and um, hopefully you'll be playing out a lot more. Hopefully we'll all be playing out a lot more. Yeah, um, I am. Um, I you know I keep trying to like take a break, and then I will get. Um, you know, asked to do something that I'm like, well, I can't say no to that. So Mm -hmm. I do have like a few shows kind of steady um, lined up here and there. But yeah, I really do want to just sort of, I guess, be selective and just 
do the shows that feel right and not overload myself. Um, because I, uh, I don't think my, my mental health could take it <laughs> also going to school and, um, yeah. and working. It's like, yeah, I gotta be careful. It's a lot. Yeah. Where can yeah. people listen to your music? Um, I, I want to say anywhere that you listen to music. I don't know if that's true. If you listen to music in like an extremely niche place, um, but <laughs> you know, you can um, buy the record on um, Bandcamp or listen to it there, and then you can stream it really wherever you stream music: Spotify, Apple Music, Title, um, whatever, whatever floats your boat. And the album is called In My Dreams I'm There. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. I'm a longtime fan of your music. This is really um it's been cool. It's been an honor to talk to you. Okay, I want to thank Devin Schaefer for her time today and for being so vulnerable and open. Hope you guys are having a great week. Visit musictherapypodcast.com to listen to other episodes and learn about events. Sign up for the mailing list. Hope you guys are doing well. I'll talk to you next week. And until then, peace and love until I see you again.